Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. One of the most exclusive clubs in the country has a brand new member tonight, but it's not a club you'd actually want to belong to. Tonight on Lara Coates Live. With apologies to the sound of music, how do you solve a problem like George Santos? Well, no surprise, I think they may have cracked a nut. The House voted today to kick him out of Congress. What's his response? Why do I want to stay here? To hell with this place. I'm quoting him. And that is the epitome of you can't fire me, I quit. From the now ex-Congressman who just yesterday refused to resign while wearing Ferragamo shoes and driving and arriving in a Jaguar. I point that out because some of the receipts that came in the ethics report. Now he's joining a pretty exclusive club. No, not the college volleyball team. This is a really exclusive club with only five members. Well, now they have a sixth. The only six members who've ever been thrown out of Congress in the 234-year history. And let me tell you, they are a regular, well, maybe a rogues gallery might be the appropriate phrase to use. You got John B. Clark, John W. Reed, and Henry C. Burnett, who were expelled back in 1861 for fighting for the Confederacy. Also, Michael Ozzie Myers. No, not the one from Halloween. I know I began with the movie reference. I'm talking about a real person here. The one who was expelled in 1980 after he was convicted as part of the infamous FBI abscam investigation. He and other lawmakers were caught up in a sting operation, taking bribes to help make believe, to help a make believe Arab sheik. Now, fun fact, it was the inspiration, yes, you got it, for the Oscar-winning movie, American Hustle. It's Friday night, I admit the movie references are getting a little extreme, but then there is this one. James Trafficant Jr., who got kicked out after being convicted of several crimes, including bribery, back in 2002. And that's it, six in 234 years. Now you gotta add George Santos. I wanna bring in Congressman Glenn Ivey. He was one of the 311 members who voted to expel George Santos today, and he also sits on the ethics committee that recommended his expulsion. Congressman Ivey, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for joining me today. Um, I gotta tell you, people were wondering if this day would come the second they started to hear about how he got elected in the first place. Is it long overdue or the right time given the ethics report release? Well, I mean, I thought it was important to get the report out. Um, you know, the ethics committee staff did a fantastic job in doing the investigation. We did, and it took time. They went through 170,000 pages of documents and, you know, 40 subpoenas. I did over 40 interviews and depositions. So, you know, we did it the right way. And I think that's an important fact because, you know, you have people who are concerned about expelling someone mm -hmm. from the Congress. And I think it was important to show that we'd done a thorough investigation uh, that supported that, uh, 
that position. Yet there are going to be still complaints, and there are to this very moment, about due process. You've mm -hmm. been a prosecutor. Your um, legal acumen is very sound, and you knew this was coming, I'm sure, about the ideas of, well, there haven't been convictions yet. There's right. a House ethics report. Yeah, there are indictments. Yes, but not a conviction. Should that have been required? No. Uh, and I think the Constitution's clear on this point. It, it talks about a two-thirds vote as a requirement, which is essentially the safeguard to protect members from being expelled for partisan reasons or, you know, uh, improper reasons. But, you know, I think here, um, obviously, we got the two-thirds vote. But, you know, I think there was way more than you might want to uh, have to make sure that you're putting somebody out for the right reasons. I think the criminal activity, the scope of it, the breadth of it, the venality of it, I thought, was um, really overwhelming. I haven't seen anything like this. Maybe trafficant, but, you know, um, who also had bad hair days on a perpetual basis. But, <laughs> but I, I think, I, who am I to talk about bad hair, right? But, uh, but you know, I think it's, it's really clear that um, the level of misconduct here warranted, warranted this kind of action. Another thing on that point, um, you know, I think it's important to remember that he got to the office basically on false pretenses. I mean, his campaign was a lie, his, what he said about his background, his experience, uh, you know, his family relationships, all of that stuff. Um, so a lot of the voters in New York wanted him out. They thought they'd been tricked, and I mm. think they had been. That kind uh, of undermines the argument that um, you're taking away or usurping the power of voters to have who they want in office if you're saying they didn't have a chance to know who they were even electing based on his conduct. But also, he could run again, right? This is not yep. the finality that maybe other things would have. Absolutely. This is like the Tennessee Three. Mm. So you had those, those people were removed from office in Tennessee. The voters felt that they were removed improperly, and obviously they were. Um, and so they put them right back in office. I, they didn't have to clear out their offices, basically, before they were back. I don't think George Santos is coming back. And I think he realizes that. And I think that's why he declared uh, a few days ago that he wouldn't run for re-election. But I don't think the voters would have him. Well, we'll see, because that was a pretty blue district. It was then flipped with Santos, what will happen now, and a slimmer majority. And you got your work cut out for you over the next couple months. But a Princeton man on Friday night. Nice to see you, <laughs> Congressman Glenn Ivey. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, now that we are seeing some real repercussions for former Congressman George Santos, you know it's Friday night. You know tomorrow is going to be SNL. How are comedians and the late night folks going to cope, to manage? Well, you know what? I've got one with me. Matt Friend is here, or is it? Someone who sounds suspiciously like former President Donald Trump. Sir, well, what do you think about the expulsion? Well, excuse me. First of all, it is a really <laughs> nasty setup. I will tell you, I really resent this setup. It's terrible to be with you on the fake news, CNN. I will tell you what. George Santos is a nasty woman. A lot of us know he is a dog. He's a dog. And I'll tell you what, he has the best fashion sense since Rob DeSanctimonious's heels. We all know that to be true. But he should have listened to my advice. I know better, more about makeup than he does, better than The Apprentice. And maybe oh he'd still God. be in office if he listened to me. Thank you very much, China. That's great stuff. <laughs> 
even know what to say about that impersonation. Wow. Thank I wonder you. though, how do you think George Santos is feeling tonight? Well, you know, you know, well, George Santos talks a lot about the Constitution, and given the fact that George Santos was friends with the people who wrote the Constitution, our founders, John Adams, I had lunch with him last week. Um, I will tell you, uh, Santos is sad, but he will be appearing on, uh, you know, Real Housewives, of course, and Andy Cohen will be moderating. So I think Santos will be just fine at his next gig, <laughs> honestly. Um, is Matt here today? Is Matt coming? I think I just heard Trump. Not I only am Santos. I here, I'm so thrilled to be here. First time on <laughs> CNN. Thank you so much for having me. Look, I... I'm blown away by your impersonations. I can tell you that that is uncanny for so many reasons. Thank you. And you have no shortage of material. But so <laughs> is that why you think people have been so fascinated? I mean, a part of me at sometimes thought it was perhaps Sasha Baron Cohen who was playing a prank on all of us. And I was waiting for that moment to go. This was just a giant Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah, George Santos was the criminal. <laughs> oh, no. We were just going to take uh, the mask off at the end. But I feel like we're so drawn to this character. He's effectively a character because in the post-Trump presidency, I feel like we just need something to pay attention to. It's like an HBO miniseries <sighs> inventing Anna to the next level, George Delvey. Uh, I'm excited to see who's going to play him in whenever that miniseries comes. Maybe it'll be on CNN Plus. Uh, but it's just, oh, it, it, it's not okay. even funny. But it I will say, funny. I will say that I think I am just as qualified to be on this show as Santos was in Congress. I, ha I was like, what am I doing here right now? It's CNN. This is amazing. But I am qualified to do a Santos impression because we are both two very proud Jews. Um, and that is, <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> God. Uh, Matt, where are we going to see George Santos next? I think we're going to see George Santos probably on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen because I think I can picture Santos in the clubhouse <laughs> ripping a Shotsky with some housewives arguing with Tom Sandoval. So Shotsky's with Santos. That's a new segment on Watch oh What Happens God. Live. Who knows? I watched, I know exactly every head motion you're doing because clearly yeah. I have watched all those episodes too. <laughs> Matt Friend, you put a smile on my face today for a time when we're talking about a really odd fraternity here when it's, you're talking about it's all so the people crazy. It's so crazy, this news, that even Mitch McConnell saw Santos was out. McConnell said, wait a second. You mean to tell me <laughs> that George Santos <laughs> is out of the job? What's he going to do next? Where do I go from here, Matt Friend? You know where I go from here? There's nowhere else to go. The prairie chicken. Had you said the Matt, Mitch McConnell prairie chicken comment, I would have lost my mind. Thank you so much for being here. Thank I'm trying you. to be a professional on primetime television, and here you come on a Friday night I, doing I all what you're messing around doing. I, I learned from the best all those George Santos press conferences. He knows what he's doing. Now, how am I going to make a turn? You know what? I'm not even going to pretend. Goodbye, Matt Friend. Goodbye we'll see to you, you later. Thank I'm going to do a so quick much. turn. Oh, my God. I had on eyeliner, it's all ruined now because of him. That's bad news for me, but it's also bad news tonight for the real former president, not the one who was just impersonated, because a federal judge in Trump's election subversion case in Washington says, nope, you do not have absolute immunity for what you said and what you did after the election. And nope, I'm not gonna dismiss the charges. So what does all this mean for Donald Trump's attempts to hold criminal cases, and there are a bunch of them at bay. Joining me now is Gwen Keyes, former DeKalb County District Attorney. Don't worry, Gwen, I am not going to ask you to do an impersonation, <laughs> but if you have one, it better not be Please a Laura Coates. I will not have you do it. But let me, let's, let's, you and I both impersonate 
former prosecutors, shall we? Because we both really go. know what to yes. do there. Judge Shutkin yes. denied Trump's request for a dismissal based on presidential immunity. And I'm going to read the quote of what she had to say, quoting, defendant's four-year service as commander-in-chief did not bestow on him the divine right of kings to evade the criminal accountability that governs his fellow citizens. Now, that is about as unequivocal as a judge can get. So what are the implications well, in that particular case, it's clear that Judge Chuckin is is saying what the law is, that there is not absolute immunity for the former president and that his actions uh, done camp for campaigning, uh, he was acting like an ordinary citizen. And as such, he would be held accountable as an ordinary citizen. Uh, and what I like is the fact that that is also the sentiment that you're hearing out of uh, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. I love the way they also came to that same conclusion and clearly said that campaigning for re-election uh, is not a presidential act, and therefore you cannot have presidential immunity for the things you say and do in the course of the campaign. Will this hold up this ruling on appeal? Because it's going to go. It's going to be appeal before the March so. trial date. It's going to be appealed, and and that's the interesting thing. Judge Chutkin's uh, decision is going to be uh, uh, appealed to the very court that also had a similar ruling today. So I think what many of us are looking for is to see what happens in terms of whether it ultimately gets to the Supreme Court, where we can have uh, those nine justices actually weigh on this, weigh in on this issue. We're like 340 days away from a presidential election. I mean, the timeline of all this is really, really intense. Let's go down to Georgia, though, because in Georgia, Trump's lawyer made the argument that the charges against him ought to be thrown out on First Amendment grounds, which is an argument the judge has already, by the way, rejected with other defendants. So why is he trying this again? Well, I think a lot of this now, as you know, is to preserve issues for appeal. Uh, if they don't raise them at the various levels of, of trial and in motions, they'll lo lose the right to raise them later. So even though uh, the judge has ruled against these same type of arguments against other defendants, each defendant is different. And so they're going to take their shot. Uh, we can anticipate that Judge McAfee is going to be consistent. I don't see any reason for him to rule any differently on the issue this time around. Uh, but it, there were some other creative arguments again today in terms of uh, how having this trial in the middle of the election will be the greatest election interference uh, occasion ever known. And so the irony in that, I, I, I think, can't be lost, given the fact that we are talking about one of the greatest election interference uh, challenges in Georgia and really on January 6th. There's so much more to unpack, and there will be many other opportunities for you and I to converse. Gwen Keys, I'll see you again soon. I look forward to it. Thanks. You know, we lost a giant in the law today, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman to sit on the Supreme Court of the United States. And I'll never forget what she told me the day I had the opportunity to meet her. I'll tell you about it next. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. 
Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff, and some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. You know, tonight the world remembers the daughter of an Arizona rancher who rose to the heights of American law. Justice Sandra Day O'Connor was once considered the most powerful woman in the country, the first woman to serve on the United States Supreme Court. Justice O'Connor's pivotal opinion shaped the law in this country on issues as varied as affirmative action, abortion, voting rights, and religion. And tonight, as so many people are sharing their stories and memories, I'd like to share my own. It was back in 2014 when I was still a federal prosecutor and I was pregnant with my first, actually my first daughter, my second child. And I was asked if I would want to come and meet the Supreme Court justice. And I could not say yes fast enough. Are you kidding me? I would love to meet her. I didn't know what the opportunity would actually mean. I wasn't sure what type of person she would be when you finally meet a kind of hero of yours in the law or in other circumstances. And when I met her, she was so sweet, so kind, so humble. What I loved most is what she said to me about my pregnancy. When we spoke, she asked me what I was having, and I was a month away from having a little girl. And I said as much, and she said, oh, thank God. Now let her be a lawyer. Even in that moment, as she touched my belly and empowered and thought to tell me ways to empower my own daughter, it was indicative of who she was as a Supreme Court justice. Now, of course, if you knew my little girl, you'd know the next part is entirely true as well, because my daughter kicked out kicking a former Supreme Court justice of the United States, and she just took it in stride and commented on the spunk that she really did end up having. And it's her legacy for women and my own daughter that I want to remember tonight. She joined the court just under a decade after Roe was decided by a court of 12 women, 12 men, excuse me, and was pivotal in protecting the right to abortion in 1992's Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Now, she would live to see the high court overturn Roe v. Wade and upend the right to reproductive care that had endured for decades, a ruling that has spurred now a new generation of women into politics. Women like my next guest, who was forced to travel from her home state of Tennessee to New York to end a pregnancy that was putting her life at risk. Well, now she's running for state office in her home district to make sure other women don't have to go through what she went through. Allie Phillips joins me now. Allie, thank you so much for joining me. I mean, tell me about what happened that has really led you to know now that you want to be in politics. 
That is a loaded question. Uh, I had no interest in being in politics until what happened to me happened. And it really wasn't just one thing. It was my story of being diagnosed a fatal pregnancy and not being able to get the health care in Tennessee, having to fly to New York City only to find out my daughter died in utero at some point in that time frame, to then hearing story after story coming out of Texas and Florida and Idaho. And I say it was the 10-year-old girl in Ohio who had to travel across state lines because I have a six-year-old daughter and I couldn't imagine the trauma that a little girl at that age had to go through to get an abortion. And it was that amongst many other things that truly pushed me to make the decision. Nobody's gonna fight for my daughter and myself the way I will. And I need to step up and I need to make sure that nobody else faces what I went through. If I have anything to do about it, I'm gonna make sure it doesn't happen. And you actually tried to work with your existing lawmakers, trying to advocate with them to get the objectives met. And that did not satisfy you. It did not, in fact, culminate in any achievable, measurable goal. It truly kind of just solidified what we already knew about our supermajority GOP men here in Tennessee. I met with my current re representative, who is now my opponent, uh, for two hours. And he said to me that he only thought the first pregnancies could go bad, referring to the fact that this was my second pregnancy um, and first loss. And on top of that, he had I tried to humanize my story because he has a daughter not too uh, much younger than I am. And he pretty much said that if she had the same situation as me, the way he grew up is he would tell her he thinks she should continue her pregnancy and that if she got an abortion, he wouldn't be happy about it. And so for me, all that said was that you don't even care about your own daughter's life. That How are you going to care about your constituents and the rest of the Tennesseans? And I think along with that, I was like, you know, we hear that these these pro-life Republican men truly don't understand women's health care. But when you're sitting across the table two feet from one of them and hearing what they actually have to say and the little bit that they do know, if anything at all, it's terrifying knowing that they're voting on these laws. Have you heard from other potential candidates or other women across the country and men also who have shared in the experience that you have talked about with your own husband um, that that are now deciding why not me? I have, and I've been very fortunate with the outpour of support that I've received with sharing my story online. There have been a few women who I've spoken with personally who said that my story and my um, my inspiration and ideas for running inspired them to look into it themselves. I don't know if they're going to run in 2024. I don't know you know, when their cycle is going to be the best time for them. But the fact that they're thinking about it just says how powerful just a single story can be and how persuasive it can, it can make others be like, you know what? I have a story like this. I don't like my current representative. I think mm -hmm. I have better ideas that can take care of my neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think we're going to see more people step up. Well, as they say, um, Allie Phillips, you know, people think, Abortion will be on the ballot, if not in real ink, maybe invisible ink, but it certainly has spurred people who want their names on the ballot to make sure that they perhaps can be the change they want to see in the world. Allie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Coming up, CNN's presentation of HBO's Overtime with Bill Maher.
Well, now let's turn it over to our friends at HBO, because, you know, every Friday after Real Time with Bill Maher, Bill and his guests answer viewer questions about topics in the national conversation. Here is Overtime with Bill Maher. Okay, welcome to Real Time on CNN. We're here with Democratic strategist and host of the Politics War Room podcast, James Carville, and host of the Rubin Report on YouTube and Rumble, Dave Rubin. Okay, here are the questions for Dave. What did you think of Elon Musk's trip to Israel? Do you think he no longer harbors anti-Semitic and conspiratorial beliefs? Oh, well, he never had anti-Semitic or conspiratorial beliefs in the first place, but well, Elon Musk is not an anti-Semite. There are plenty of anti-Semites out there. You called a whole bunch of them out during the show. I mean, Elon Musk going to Israel was absolutely great. I think too many people now don't believe anything they see, but they do believe well, Elon Musk. So him going there and saying, I saw the 47 minutes of footage, He's wearing dog tags of, uh, you know, from one of the families okay, who well, lost their kids. I mean, it could, There's a lot of anti-Semites out there, but Elon Musk is not one of them. Okay, that may be true. I, I, I mean, <laughs> look, he's a hard guy to follow all the time. I've tried. And the one, this thing did test my patience with him because he may not be an anti-Semite, but when someone tweets what they tweeted right. and he tweets, you have spoken the actual truth, it looks really anti-Semitic. So, I mean, come on. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how in the weeds you want to get on the comment, but the comment well, was yeah, really, well, the uh, comment, We do, what the is comment, the comment? The, the comment that he was responding to was about that there are left-wing, thought of as Jewish organizations like the ADL, that are aiming their fire the wrong way right. all the time, so they're attacking him, right? As opposed to attacking the people that, they, that are actually no, anti-Semites, like the lefties. Oh, all right. My understanding of it was that he was supporting the idea yeah. that what we heard when you went you, through you, You're exactly right. It was the greatest act of Jew washing I've ever seen. <laughs> he said something like that. <laughs> I, yeah, I've never heard that term. Well, I mean, it's what, it's what you do when you, you screw yeah, oh, up. I, oh, you I go, get it. I, I, right. If I say anything, I mean, mm. come on. I, look, I have no, no idea. The last thing I want to do is pick a fight with a guy worth a trillion dollars. But <laughs> that dude is weird, man. I'm, I'm going to tell you, yeah. that's something I'm going to James, uh, you famously said it's the economy, stupid, but voters seem to be responding to positive economic news. Voters don't seem to be responding to positive economic news in the polls. How do you explain this? Well, you know, you got 60% of the Republicans that believe the Earth is 6,000 years old. Oh, that's all not right. a good but answer. If, well, I'm, I'm just saying, you say the polls, okay. all right, you, you look with 5.6% growth. All right, I, I, by any record, now, if people don't feel it, and I, look, I think, I think we, should, we should have made a change. I, 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 you and I agree on that. And I don't know how much of it is is that they can't see beyond the president. If, uh, I mean, a cost of living has, ha, has hurt people. But you just can't look at this economy and go out and say this is a bad economy. You, that, that's impossible. But that's not really what you want to tell the voters. Well, I, yes, to, I, but I'm not running for office, Bill. I'm, asking, I'm answering a question okay, on a but, television but, show. If I wouldn't answer the same Okay, but, you're, but you're, the reason why you're on a television show is because you're a known strategist. So right. what we're asking for your strategy, and your right. strategy seems to be to tell the voters you don't know what you're talking about. Well, I, and I, I don't think that's say, a good way to get I, I elected. Not, and I'm not I, a strategist. I would, I would not say say that, but you can't. <laughs> you just said it to me. <laughs> okay. but, he, he's but, not but running I, for office. I, mean, I know, but, but people, 
here's, I, here's what I think it is. People, the things that, like you can cite the statistics, and yes, inflation is going down, it's going in the right direction, but the things that pe the things people buy every day in this country, bullets, eggs, <laughs> gas. Gas is down. Yeah, not here. I, I'm just telling you, the price of gas, yes, we, it, we produce right. more, we pump more oil than we ever have in history. Anywhere. We pump more oil in Saudi Arabia. All right, just so you know that. But if you ask people, do you think that the, the Democrats and Biden is, you know, oh yeah, of course he is, 100%. I can't, the fact that people believe something doesn't make it a fact. There's a big story in the Wall Street Journal today. The crime rate has dropped significantly. Try to tell, I, I, I argue with someone, but the, the, the crimes per 100,000, I think, was 738, and you're down to 362 or something like that. You, you, you got out of city and act like I'm a factual clutch because somebody bleeds something that's not true. I, I don't buy that. Okay. Well, then we'll move on. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Mike Johnson, he's from your home state of Louisiana, oh, the Speaker of the House. I read today, he wrote a foreword in a book right. that describes to conspiracy theories and homophobic insults. I thought, Mike, Mike Johnson wrote the foreword to the Bible? Uh, <laughs> do you think Mike Johnson can hold his party together now that he has taken the mantle? Well, first of all, I don't think he can hold his party together. Second of all, you're exactly right. Mike Johnson and what he believes is one of the greatest threats we have today to the United States. When I, I, I promise you, I know these people. Well, you're talking about Christian nationalism. That's absolutely. Talking about this, at the is, end. this is a, this is a, a bigger <clears throat> threat than Al Qaeda of, to this country. They, and let me tell you something. They're Speaker of the House. They got probably at least two Supreme Court justices, maybe more. Right. Don't kid yourself, and, and people in the press have no idea who this guy is, how he was formed, what the threat is, and this is a fundamental threat to the United States. It is a fundamental, they don't believe in the Constitution. They'll tell you that. Mike Johnson himself says, what is democracy but, but two wolves and a lamb having lunch? That's what they really, really, really believe. And to say, oh, come on, man, that's just some crazy shit. No, no. They, they believe that, and they're coming, and they've been doing it forever. They're funded. They're funded. They're yeah. relentless. And, you know, they probably won't win for a while, but they might. No, and if just, they do, you, it's, you blow, the whole country blows a gas. You just have to look at that painting. I think it's a Kincaid painting that a lot of them like, where Jesus is handing the Constitution right. to sure. Thomas Jefferson. I mean, right. if you could look at that and go, hmm, that's the way it probably happened. <laughs> I know it. I that know that it wasn't well. a photo. That, that, that wasn't is a photo. no. Um, is the rise of anti-immigration Dutch politician Gert Wilders? Ah, I remember interviewing him for Religious yeah. way back in yeah, yeah. 2007. A warning to the liberals in America that they need to take our immigration crisis more seriously. So, if you don't follow the story, Gert Wilders, he'd been running forever in Holland. Uh, I, you know, of course, the New York Times calls him a far rightist. They call all these people. I mean, Maloney. Uh, in Italy is another one. 
Um, Viktor Orban is kind of a far rightist in Hungary, um, but not. I think some of them are just Brexit and England was part yeah. of this. People are feeling they are not uh, welcome almost in their own home because of the kind of uh, immigration that these people are fighting against. So well, most of these people are not far right by any way that we would think of far right in that they that, like that they're racist. I, I actually met with Orban in Budapest and I talked to him for a little while and all he kept saying was, you know, I love Hungary. That's all. I love my people. I love my country. That's it. I don't know what accent that was, but that that basically <laughs> That's, that's I, but a that dead-on impression of him. Something. Exactly. Uh, uh, um, can, you, can you do his walk? Yeah, um, There's a little bit of a waddle. But but all of these guys, Gert Wilders, he wants Holland to be for the Dutch, right? Like that's, that's what, what that's he wants. Racist. When we see that's racist, that's what they would tell you, right? No, no. no. Wait, you meant that literally? Or no, no, no. I'm just no. I don't know what we're talking about. But um, <laughs> I was just going to say Dutch for the Dutch. Uh, I would amend that if it was me. Dutch values. No, Dutch values. You don't have to be actually Dutch. You don't have to be white. That's what I think is great about America. Of it's course. the idea. As long as you f subscribe to our ideas, which again, to your point, and what I was saying at the end of the show, that we're not a Christian nation, that's not what is. This is a country where we have the First Amendment, then everybody should be welcome. No, of course. It's not about skin color, but it is about culture. So Cul what happens is matters. all of these people, whether they're in France or Belgium or any of the countries that you just mentioned, they're realizing, wow, we've got literally millions of people in our borders that are chanting for genocide and gas the Jews and the rest of it. And by the way, it doesn't stop with the Jews, right? I mean, they were at the Christmas tree in Times Square yesterday or two days ago. So people are realizing that and they're looking for anybody, and for some reason they always come with crazy hair, that will, that will fix some of this stuff. So I, I, I kind of have trouble. I think your question was, is the election in, in the Netherlands is that somebody a harbinger for do, do you want a short, truthful answer? Along? Yes. Yes. It does. <laughs> okay? It does. It, yeah. Because people, but understand this, people like immigrants. Okay? Right. What they don't like is disorder. And when you become the disorder party, whatever it is, you pay a price. Now, one of the reasons that we have in this problem, this is what 3.6% unemployment does for you. You think we're the only people that know that? Or you think, and by the way, somebody, if you got a woman that lives in Honduras, and she walks with a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old to the Mexican border and wants to come in this country, come on in, lady. You're a motivated person. We need you. Period. No, right. no, okay. You can't come. You know, we have, we have a border. We have a border. We have a country. You, you either have a country or you every, don't. I every mean, border it, had refugees. Every border has asylum. Yeah, but you can't just I'm, let them I'm, walk I'm in. Sorry. That's what I'm, the issue is. I'm for a six. Somebody walks with two kids, six hundred miles to come in this country. I got a job for you, lady. Come see me. All right. Find me one roofer in Florida that was born in the United States. I got Let's a job too. I got a job, and that means getting out on time. Thank okay. you, CNN. Thank you, everybody. Well, you can watch Real Time with Bill Maher on Friday nights on HBO at 10 p.m., and then you can watch Overtime right here on CNN Friday nights at 11:30. You know, today marks the 68th anniversary of the no that sparked the civil rights movement. Rosa Parks' niece joins me next. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, 
new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. Do you know that it was 68 years ago today that Rosa Parks boarded a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, took a seat and refused to give it up for a white man? It led to her arrest and her brave act of defiance helped launch the civil rights movement. Now, there's a push to declare this very day, December 1st, Rosa Parks Day, a federal holiday. Joining me now to reflect on her legacy is Rosa Parks' niece, Sheila McCauley Keys. Sheila, I'm so glad that you are here today. Look, this, if it were to come into pass, and I see over your shoulder, I'm looking at a painting of your aunt as well. How beautiful is that to have in your home? Um, It would be, if it were to come to pass, the first federal holiday to honor a woman in this country. That is surprising. What would this mean to you and your family? Um. You know what it would mean to um, all of us, we would be so pleased because uh, she was one person that would be so deserving of this. And I I just wish she could be here to to see it. But we would, um, you know, really, really appreciate if this were to pass um, because... uh, her life and her legacy, she, she is very much deserving mm. of this, this honor. You know, Sheila, for so many people, they know who Rosa Parks, the civil rights figure and heroine really is. But you know her as auntie. Talk to me a little bit about the human being behind the movement, the woman who... You know, when you talk about who is deserving of the praise and the legacies that follow, she was a, a woman. She was a person who said no was a complete sentence. Tell me about your auntie behind the scenes. Well, I would like to uh, simply say that uh, she was a person that knew the power that an economic boycott could have. She had an analytical mind. She could think things through. She could come up with solutions or or a solution, you know, if need be. And she was actually prepared for what happened that day on the bus in 1955. It just didn't happen, you know, by accident. She, you know, was not a little old tired lady getting off of work. She was a young married woman of faith. She was only 42 years old. So that would make her by today's standard, like a modern day millennial. So our Auntie Rosa was um, a force to be reckoned with. And she knew that the importance of economic empowerment, she knew that that should be the foundation of this country if it were to be a successful one. So that meant empowering all of its citizens. Mm. And that... uh, that was true in 1955 and it's still true today uh, in 2023. So, yeah. um, Sheila, she, what a true I think word she to has say. She some insight. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the insight, Thank you. the foresight, um, thinking about her as just tired that day and happening upon a movement diminishes really the intellect, the power, um, and so many reasons to honor her today and frankly every day. I'm glad that we got the chance to speak with you today. Thank you, Sheila. And thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. How nice. Thank you. Everyone will be right back. Well, we're just about one week away from announcing the 2023 CNN Hero of the Year. And I'll be hosting along with Anderson Cooper. And I cannot wait to find out who is going to win. Here's an introduction to just one of the top 10 heroes. Our reservation was about 30 miles from the Canadian border in north central Montana. You're probably about a good three hours to major hospitals. Okay, we're on our way. We know the need is huge for transportation. The majority of our people are living in poverty. If I didn't physically transport them, I would help them with food, a hotel, or gas. I started getting into the nutrition of it. If we could eat healthy, it will reduce our risk of cancer. Hi! We have done distributions of fresh fruits and vegetables, fresh eggs, and we joined in a collaboration with our tribe to help harvest our buffalo. Prior to my diagnosis of cancer, I thought my life was based on my professional career and my education. But now I know that this is my calling. You can go to CNNHeroes.com right now to vote for the CNN Hero of the Year. You know what? I'll see you there. Thank you all for watching. Our coverage continues. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.